Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. So you're not Christy. <laughs> no, I am not Christy. That is a keen observation, Catherine. Uh, I am in Canada this week with feisty boss Sarah Gross. Yay! And it's Christy's birthday weekend, so she's doing some other stuff. What? She did not want to be here recording the podcast on her birthday? Well, she had told me she wanted to go off the grid for a few days, and I forgot to record the intro. <laughs> Oh, I see. So we're blaming Christy's birthday, but really you forgot it's to record the intro. It's, it's actually your fault because I'm in Canada and you've got me really busy. Okay. I take full responsibility. And audience, I'm sorry. I know that you would prefer Christy, but you got me instead. Uh, the question the audience might have is, have you ever ridden gravel? Um, the answer is sort of. Is that a question? So, okay, I have a, I own a cross bike, like an old cross bike from, it's at least 15 years old. Um, so like no disc brakes, nothing exciting like that. And occasionally, and by occasionally, I mean like twice a year, I will ride it on a trail. Um, that like counts. Of, we'll count it. Okay. So yes, I ride gravel. <laughs> and you're coming to the gravel festival in Denville too. I am. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm actually quite interested in doing like a beginner technique clinic or something like that. Oh, we'll put you in the beginner group for sure. Okay, yeah. Beginner group's good for me. Um, yeah, it'll be our first time to meet Celine, who we talk about often on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and on every podcast. We love Celine. Yeah. Uh, so, and you also just had Christy on your podcast, the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I had a great conversation with Christy. Like, she, I don't know. I, I feel like she's so insightful about how to be inclusive, you mm -hmm. know, but without thinking about like with do you know does that make sense like like she's just like automatically knows what to do like when she created like the 200 women 200 miles um with unbound or like how she created the um non-binary category like she just kind of gets shit done she's like let's not talk about it so much let's yeah. just get it done i'm like let's unpack this and deconstruct exactly yeah. how it happened yeah <laughs> well i think her thing is a lot like we're gonna we want to be thoughtful and we're gonna not get it right, but we could talk ourselves to death 
I'm still not good at right, so we might as well try things. Yeah, exactly. I also, like, I loved, right at the beginning of the podcast with her, she talked about how she was raised by strong women, like, and talked about her own mother and her grandmothers, who, like, super inspiring, because it really felt like they were sort of a generation ahead in terms of, like, what they felt they could do and accomplish in life. So um, I, I feel like that's, knowing that that's where Christy comes from, explains her get shit done ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so we're talking about the newest, the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast, and I've been encouraging all the women in our audience to listen to that podcast as well. It comes out on Mondays, but what's that podcast about, and why would uh, women that are interested in riding gravel, like, what would be- they benefit from that podcast? Oh, all the things. All the <laughs> things. So essentially, like, we're talking about women's performance, but we use the word performance as in, like, every woman deserves performance, right? So whether you're just, just only quote unquote (laughs) riding like a shorter gravel ride or if you're doing your first 5k or if you hike like I still think everybody needs good information on how to be active how to recover keep your energy levels well like consistent throughout the day to get other things done um even like having that community and figuring out like the cultural pieces or understanding the cultural pieces that have affected us as women in terms of like the spaces we feel that we belong in um, and the mental health aspects uh, related to sport and exercise. So we're essentially talking about all of those things together. Like, so we have our four feisty pillars, right? Mm -hmm. One is physiology, one is nutrition, one is mental health, and one is culture. And so I really think like you can't separate those things like those things interact with each other so anyone listening to our podcast can get really good advice on essentially how to get the best out of their lives what what more can you ask for you will have a better life if you listen to our podcast you will be better if you listen to our podcast (laughs) i promise everything the world i love it i love it um and then yesterday when i was here in the office you had one of my favorites lil wilcox you interviewed Mm. her and she's also going to be one of the keynotes at our Feisty Women's Performance Summit coming up at the end of March. Yes. What did you think of Lael? That was your first intro to her. Yes. Oh, Lael was so fun. Like immediately, like two minutes in, no, two seconds in, I was like, this is going to be such a fun podcast. So we had a really great conversation um, and I'm super stoked to hear her keynote um, at the summit because I think the way she, I actually got like a sneak peek of it on one of the documents she sent us. And so like the way she frames up her story around um, how she felt as a kid playing sport and how she sort of set out uh, to win the um, Trans Am bike race in 2016, like how she beat all the boys, like beating all the boys. That's a cool thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to hear from her at the summit. Yeah, she's going to be fantastic. So anybody can uh, go get a ticket for our Feisty Women's Performance Summit. Just go to womensperformance.com and you can get all the details of got really great keynotes we have lots of really great talks um, in that about everything, kind of in those four pillars, well, exactly in those four pillars mm-hmm. again. So uh, I encourage you to head over there and check it out, and you'll get to hear a little keynote. Um, and then, so today, we actually recorded the podcast episode that's coming out today while I was here at the office this week, and I came in and I was like, oh my gosh, that was one of my favorite recordings ever, because <laughs> it's Molly Herford. Who you're going to have on your podcast as well. You're just copying my podcast guests. I notice that there's a lot of cyclists on my podcast. Like I'm getting, <laughs> I wonder how that's happening. <laughs> I'm, just like getting, I'm getting the best of. <laughs> well, Molly's like transitioned a little bit more into running recently. So she just finished a hundred miler. But she, um, she just, she's been a cyclist journalist and she's a coach. She and her husband have a podcast. Uh, and 
She just had the best advice for women, like, as far as taking care of the pelvic region, like, why we experience pain on saddles. Uh, she's done a lot with girls in sport and how to keep girls, like, as they go through that transition in sport. It, it was a fun and hilarious conversation. We had a little bit of Wi-Fi issues, um, so that might come through in the podcast, but, but just hold on through that because it is so worth this conversation with Molly Herford. And... If you missed it already, go over and wish Christy a happy belated birthday on her feed. Yay. And she'll be back next week. Hopefully. We might have lost her somewhere <laughs> in Patagonia. Lost her. <laughs> she'll be back. She'll be back sometime. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get to our interview with Molly Herford. No matter what adventure you're dreaming of, you understand what it means to push harder, reach further, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, You'll also unlock real-time recovery tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. When you're out on your adventures, it's important to take care of your skin, both the parts exposed to the sun and the parts that are not. That's why we're excited that Zelios is joining the gravel community as a sponsor. Zelios uses quality ingredients that athletes love. Every gravel adventurer needs to protect her skin from the sun, and Sun Barrier, a clear, drying zinc sunscreen, is a great way to do it. And of course, we all want to focus on miles, not our chamois. With Betwixt, Zelios all-natural chamois cream, you can do just that. This vegan product uses organic aloe vera as well as almond and coconut oils and doesn't use any of the bad stuff. No fragrances, petroleum, or paraben. Head over to teamzelios.com and get 20% off your order with the code GIRLSGONEGRAVEL. That's teamzelios.com for 20% off with the code GIRLSGONEGRAVEL. waiting for christy to start sorry i was like trying to get that off my screen so it took it took a minute minute. molly now i gave you the whole professional spiel of how we do the podcast and then now you see that we just play a waiting game to who's going to start the podcast every week well this one was particularly bad i couldn't uh, yeah yeah anyway oh you couldn't figure out how to get the thing off the screen and you were making fun of me for not knowing where the button was i know it's I like this. This should have really been more like a Zoom like nose game for who has to do the intro. Like not it. We should. We should start doing that. We used to do that for Christmas prayers. We would do the thumb thing. Rock paper our scissors for who has to read the intro. Yeah. I worked for a religious organization for a long time. So I was the automatic pick for the prayers. And then I was like, I'm not doing it anymore, guys. So then we would start like. like the- I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, we have, we actually have somebody really in a podcast studio with us today. (laughs) 
Super I'm not going to turn the video around so you see what's like actually around me. This is just making me look really good. So I'm going to stick with this. <laughs> Piles so, of laundry uh, off to the side. It's fine. <laughs> I could, uh, that's usually my life. But uh, we have Molly. Now, Molly, I didn't ask you how to say your last name because I was trying to get the Wi Fi to work, but it's her. Is it Herford? Yep. I did it right without even practicing, Christy. Good job. You're, you're, <laughs> you're becoming just as pro. I'm becoming very pro on saying people's names. I love it. Um, well, Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're actually somebody that I've had my eye on, like, oh, I want to have her on the podcast. And then you reached out to me. Who did we have on that you reached out to me about reposting? Uh, you had Hannah Finchamp on. Oh yeah, Hannah. She was so fun. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. Yeah. She's been on, she's been on my podcast, the consummate athlete before and talking about BC bike race. Oh my gosh. Which is probably like two years three years ago now. Oh, geez. Um, and I just, I, I love her. I remember seeing her at Xterra out in Las Vegas, like probably 10 years ago when she was like 13 years old or something. And I think she, <laughs> she destroyed me, uh, for what it's worth. I was terrible. Um, and I just remember seeing her and I knew she had raced cyclocross and I was just like, Oh my God, this girl is so cool. So it's been really fun watching her progress, uh, in her career. So yeah, I was super excited when I saw you guys had her on. Yeah. She's, she's so, super fun. Yeah. I mean, does not stop smiling ever. It's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. just loves she I don't know. I saw some pictures of her from that race that she's doing down there and she was not smiling. <laughs> <laughs> there was some pain cave going on there. Just, you know, it's good for us. It's, it's good for us mortals to see the, you know, to see, to see the normal face. <laughs> Definitely. I do love a good racer who has like an amazing grimace where it looks like they're just grinning the entire time, but actually it's just this horrible mask of pain. Uh, Carolyn money has that in cyclocross and it makes her one of my absolute favorite racers to watch. Just always looks like she's grinning, but you know, she's just like murdering herself. (laughs) I do not have that gift. I look like I'm dying. Like we used to do gym pictures. Like people would take pictures when I worked at a gym and it was, if I were working out, I mean, it's like some people look sexy or cool. I'm like, look like I'm dying. I just look grumpy (laughs) just all the time. (laughs) There's no like pain. There's no anything. It's just kind of generally grumpy, but I'm having a good time. I swear. Yeah. I'm like, I was going to say, I never look like an athlete, which I always think is funny because I'm like, who like that? Yeah but you That's, know, that can't be true. It's true, but I am, I'm an athlete. So exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, Molly, tell us all about you. You do a lot of different things. So give us, yeah, give like, us the scoop on who Molly is. I'm like, Oh no, it's the hardest question to answer. There was a, I was on this radio show out of like Edmonton, Alberta or something a couple of years ago. And they attempted to read my like bio just without editing it at all. And I think it took up like half the segment and I had to just cut them off and be like, please stop listing things. It's fine. Um, I do a lot of stuff. It's cool. Uh, so, uh, for the sake of this podcast, I will say, uh, I primarily write about cycling, uh, specifically women's cycling. If we're, if we're going to niche it down, um, my, Actually, the second book that I ever wrote was called Saddle Sore, uh, and it's a women's only guide to you and your bike. And it's all about just um, making 
women much more comfortable talking about things like saddle sores and, you know, the fact that uh, vaginal chafe is a real pressing issue for, for some of us on the bike and, you know, just kind of trying to spread the word that biking doesn't have to be uncomfortable for women. And there are just so many women I know who've left the sport of cycling because, you know, frankly, they were just dealing with a lot of discomfort in the, the nether region area uh, that they didn't really want to talk about. And that actually caused them to, you know, stop riding their bikes, but it's all solvable. Like we can fix all of these issues if we're willing to, to talk about them and go in a bike shop and ask about, you know, a different chamois or a different pair of bib shorts instead of regular shorts that are cutting into your waist and making it hard to breathe and be comfortable on the bike. And, you know, it's stuff that a lot of us didn't get told when we first started. I had a group of very well-meaning guys when I first got into cycling that were amazing, amazing, supportive men. And they did not tell me a whole lot of things because they just, it didn't even occur to them to mention that chamois cream was an option. And that, you know, uh, using a pad when you have your period is probably not the best idea with a chamois. It's going to be real uncomfortable and really wedgie inducing as it turns out. Even before I found that group of guys, I was uh, actually like Catherine here. I was a triathlete and triathletes really don't get told anything about the bike. So I don't know about you, but when and I the first- saddle is so uncomfortable. Oh, uncomfortable. And when I first started, I didn't know bike shorts existed. Like I just saw Olympic triathlon where they're in swimsuits. So, you know, the mean streets of New Jersey, I'm just out there like ripping around in a swimsuit on my oh, bike yeah. in the Ooh. summer because I had no idea. Like, good I, God. My <laughs> bike shorts was like not rolling my Sophie gym shorts over three times. I'd only roll them over two times to prevent the wedgie on the bike. And that was my, that was my version of like, I'm dressed like an athlete because yeah. no one told me. Yeah. So my goal is to tell women about these things. <laughs> So, you know, with that, I had my, my second book. And then um, since then, I've written a bunch more books, we'll say, uh, including the, the Shred Girls series, which is my middle grade fiction series all about uh, young girls on bikes. And uh, yeah, it's it's been really fun kind of hearing from, from young girls who weren't, who were bookworms and not cyclists who are now riding bikes because they read it. And then young cyclists who didn't really read for fun, who are now reading for fun because of it. So it's kind of done, done two things with getting girls into bikes and books. Um, and yeah, in addition to that, I write for a bunch of different cycling outlets. And then I have my, my podcast and my husband's coaching company, the consummate athlete, where we talk about all different kinds of endurance sport. And then personally, I've raced pretty much every kind of cycling discipline you can imagine. Although not a ton, I admit not a ton of gravel, but I have done a few uh, and enjoyed them deeply. But in the past couple of years, I've been more focused on ultra running. So I just finished doing my first hundred miler down in Oklahoma last weekend, and I'm still semi-recovering from that. So yeah. And then I live in Ontario with my husband and our mini dachshund named DW, who is the greatest thing in the entire universe. And that's my life. <laughs> what was the 100 miler you just finished? Uh, the Outlaw 100. Um, so it's actually only a couple hours out of Bentonville, which is like the best place for cycling, uh, for mountain biking right now in the US. Well, maybe not the best place, but it's an amazing place for, for mountain biking in the US right now. And yeah, a couple hours over the border in Oklahoma, there's this uh, park, Robbers Cave State Park. And it's the Outlaw 100 is probably one of the most single track 100 milers around. It's a course that's actually like 99% rocky single track. And it's super, super fun, super, super long. And yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun event. 
That took me 23 hours and 53 minutes. Wow. (laughs) Managed to finish it in a day. Um, I was very, very proud of myself. I I set the the course record on it, not just for women, but the overall course record. Uh, The guy who held it uh, got it like two years ago in like 27 hours and like 50 odd minutes. So I beat the old record by almost four hours, which was very exciting. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. People keep saying it's because I bike a lot. So I had all this like bike volume over the years. And I I genuinely think that's true. Like, I think that's made it so I could do something like a hundred mile run and not have broken myself because I've had years and years of just that nice endurance base built up on the bike that translated really well to the run. Well, and you were also not on pavement too, right? That really helps. Yeah. I definitely like, while it's super annoying when you're out there and your ankle has like turned for the billionth time, uh, you were just out on a trail run, you know, yeah. um, you know, you catch a rock and you just hear your ankle. Like, uh, luckily that only happened to me. Like, I don't know, like 30 times probably during the course of the race. Uh, even though that's happening, it could be worse. You could be pounding on pavement. So I just kept reminding myself of and that anytime I was like tripping my way down something, I'm like, it could be worse. You could be on asphalt right now. <laughs> Felt much better. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm curious, uh, you, you write these books, the Shrug Girl series, which thank you for sending me yeah, one of, of those. My niece is a little bit too young for it, but I really want her to be a mountain biker. biker. Um, but what interested you in that? That is a hard age of girls. What? How the heck did you get interested in that age? Well, that age of girls is, yeah, they're, they're very hard. And I have to admit, I was actually in grad school for English education um, and I student taught seventh graders and I student taught for maybe a month. And I was like, I'm dropping out of grad school because I can't do this. Teachers are saints and teachers of preteens are like the step up from saints they're I don't even know. They're just amazing humans because that age group is so, so difficult in just across the board. Um, but that group is also particularly interesting because from the ages of, I think it's eight to 11, there's a bunch of studies that that's when a huge percentage of girls actually drop out of sport. And that's sport across the board, like just every sport, particularly though cycling really drops off, which is kind of really sad. Every kid learns how to ride a bike for the most part, right? Like your parents teach you when you're little and you know you pedal around the neighborhood but then there's this point where a lot of girls just stop riding and a lot of it's because their friends stop riding you know and to me that was actually this age where I, I kind of looked at it and I was like huh I wonder what I could possibly do to get girls to want to stay on their bikes and not necessarily racing not necessarily you know really even joining a club just just enjoying pedaling because uh, that's also the age, uh, as, as you guys probably know, where skill development is huge. And if you could learn, how, think about if you could have learned to mountain bike when you were eight years old, how much better you'd be at it now. Like how much less scared you would be going over logs at like 12 years old versus, you know, in our older years where we're much more aware that we can break. Um, things are much more intimidating than they are when you're, you're younger and you have no sense of like, wait, will my health insurance cover that? Or like, what do I do if I hurt myself and I can't work for a day when you're 12, you don't care about that. You're like, cool. I might get to miss school or like sick. I'm going to have a cast that my friends can sign. So uh, you're a lot more inclined to, to learn these skills and really develop them uh, younger. That was the age where I was like, okay, if we could keep girls in, think about what that could do for, you know, these girls as they, they grow up and become, you know, hopefully competitive cyclists or just lifelong cyclists. 
going like way, way deep in the, the well here. When I was a kid, I was not an athlete. I was super unathletic, actually. Uh, couldn't run a mile. So I was in my twenties, hated sports. Um, once cried. So my mother would have to take me home from the one organized sport she tried to sign me up for and just refused to get into it. And that was partially because in my head, I was a nerdy kid. I was a bookworm. I wanted to be a writer and writers don't do sports. Right. Right. Like bookworms can't possibly, like you have to be the nerd. You can't be the nerd and a jock. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. And then when I was in high school, I was like punk rock. So you also couldn't be sporty and be punk rock. Those don't go together. Um, <laughs> so I had this like very like singular identity of this one lane that I had to stay in. And that did not include sports. Obviously, uh, as grown women, we understand that we can contain multitudes and have many identities that define us. And those can be changing over time, and that's fine. Um, but as a kid, it was very black and white to me. So, you know, as I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, here's the thing then. I, I was a bookworm. I loved reading everything. I really loved the Babysitter Club books. Thought they were amazing. Because of them, I started babysitting. Babysitting is inherently the most boring job you can possibly <laughs> imagine. Like, like they really write those books just to rope 13 year old girls into like wasting, like just like deciding that that's going to be fun to do on a Saturday night um, instead of like hanging out with their friends. So I was like, okay, if I could be convinced to babysit because of a book, surely I can convince some girls to ride bikes because of a book. Like biking is actually fun and cool. So maybe that'll work. <laughs> so the idea for the Shred Girls, a series that is very similar to the Babysitter's Club, I like to say it's like the Babysitter's Club, but with bikes, yeah. um, was born. <laughs> so that's why that age. And also I think it's, it's just, I'm not great at writing adult fiction because I, I don't like writing about the sexy stuff. My mother would get very upset with me. So the middle grade and young adult just works better for me with, uh, with not having to worry about my mom being mad. <laughs> I love that. You're still worried about your mom being mad. <laughs> I've also been told I have a late. mature voice. So I don't know if that's <laughs> just part. People are like, you're right. Really? Like it's really convincing that you're a 12 year old in this. I'm like, thanks. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I might've missed this, but like, you know, some of the things that you talked about, do you think that uh, some of the reason that girls start dropping out does have to do with like the hormone, like their hormones are changing, they're starting their periods. Like then they don't like, nobody's talking about how to handle that. Like I, I was a swimmer and I remember being terrified of getting my period at the pool, like almost to the point where I did, I would like not want to go because I didn't understand like how to use a tampon or like, there was just so much I didn't know or understand and nobody talked about it. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yes. And actually that, that called to mind, you're just going to throw my mother under the bus again. Cause she doesn't listen to podcasts. So she's not going to hear me say this. I actually remember her like not letting me go swim, like with my, you know, with my neighbors and friends and stuff. When I had my period, when I was like 12 years old, because like, you know, I, I was too young to use quote, I'm air quotes here. I was too young to use tampons. So therefore I just like, didn't get to go swimming. So and, you know, when you have to try to tell your like next door neighbor, who's a boy that you can't swim and you're like pretty embarrassed about explaining you can't swim because you have your period. Like that puts a damper on your relationship as friends, because he just thinks you're like this really odd person who's like not hanging out with him for a week of, you know, every month out of the summer. So I, I think that's huge. Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. And I think like that's, you know, when you do see sort of that more split towards before that preteen time 
boys and girls are playing together more boys and girls sports are together more you know it's all kind of just one one big melting pot and then that's around the age where you start really seeing that split and the boys are over here and the girls are over here you know before that like I'd be rallying around my neighbor's yard on my bike with him and it didn't occur to me that that was like not a thing to do but when I hit 12 or 13 like I don't think I think my bike just was in the garage collecting dust till I was you know, in college and needed it to get around between classes. It just never occurred to me to ride then. Yeah. I remember my mom, when she made me start wearing a t-shirt, <laughs> I used to play outside all the time in just my shorts during the summer. Cause it's like, that's what the boys did. Yeah. And I had, I was like, when she made me start wearing, I was like, why do I have to wear a t-shirt? Yeah. Uh, hang on a second. Yeah. This isn't fair. It was probably mm-hmm. for a good reason. <laughs> you're like well fair enough but like but at the time it didn't make any sense because that wasn't mm -hmm. what was happening well it probably wasn't like explained in a way that felt like okay I can wear a t-shirt and still be part of this it was probably like explained in a way that really like made it feel like you were now this other um, Mm -hmm. which I think is is the bigger issue like it's it's not to say that we you know obviously like we still have to deal with pads and tampons at that age, but like, we don't have to give up being part of this group. Uh, You know, we might, we might need to wear shirts occasionally, but we don't need to give up being part of the group. (laughs) Well, I hope too, in a, in a weird way, I hope that that, that message is also getting across to the, to our male counterparts, like Mm -hmm. understanding that there's this going on for their, their female friends you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make them different. It's very normal. You know, I think that's one thing I've seen with my kids is that it definitely seems way more normalized than it was when I was their age. Yeah. Yeah. I sincerely hope so. And I, it does make me think that like looking back, you know, obviously I wouldn't put this on 12 year old me to have done it differently, but like if I had just explained to my neighbor what was going on, he probably yeah. would have been fine with it, but he had no idea. He just thought I was being mean and like not playing with him. Like, which couldn't have been yeah. further from the truth. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It was like the most embarrassing thing ever to talk about yeah. when we were gro- growing up. And I think like it is changing. And also when you look at, especially like coaches, male coaches, they have such an impact on girls, you know, like, and, and we've seen, we see it more in like kind of in the running side of things where girls or soccer girls get slower, they gain weight. It's a short-term thing. It's as their bodies change. Yeah, they can like the way that they can get treated by coaches can really cause them to drop out or to stay and succeed um, if a coach really understands and like nurtures them through that process. So yes, definitely. And I, I have to give I'll give my my husband some props here. Since since meeting me in the past like eight years, he's really gotten a lot better at not just talking to his like women clients who are are grown and you know either dealing with periods or pregnancy or menopause even uh, talking to them about their cycles, but also he coaches a couple of young girls and you know we've had some conversations with their parents and talked to them about you know how their cycle is going to affect training and how it's like okay and like it's good to put this in the comments so we know what's going on uh you know throughout the month because you know we can we can shift training to best work with your your cycle but if we don't know anything if we don't know that you have these horrible cramps and like you're struggling to even get on the bike, let alone do a workout at that time, then obviously like it's, it's hard to, to work with that. It just looks like a bad workout on the training peaks, but in reality, like this is an issue we can definitely address and work on. Yeah. I like that you wrote a whole book to kind of address that stuff. Cause like you said, I think that <laughs> that keeps women off. And you know, when you were talking about like that conversation at the bike shop, I worked at a bike shop 
And like my favorite guy that worked there was 22 years old. Right? And, and he was so great with customers, but I could just see like how uncomfortable he was talking about that. And he sucked it up and did it. Right. But that's, a, that's pretty mature for a 22 year old. Super mature. To be able to do, and for like a 40 year old woman to feel comfortable asking like, like somebody that could be her son about. Yeah. There's no way I'm asking the 22 year old this question. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> but if there's nobody else at the bike shop, when you go in and you don't know anything else, like I'm right? still not asking them. <laughs> <laughs> no, completely. It's such an awkward thing. Yeah. I've been, I've been very glad that in the years since I put that book out, like I do know there's a fair number of bike shops that actually just like keep it in stock and not necessarily like they're not selling it. They literally will just have it and like kind of have a it. reference, a reference, just like, read this. open it, like open it to the section, like hand it over. And I think it's really like hopefully helped kind of ease some of that stuff. Um, and it is cool seeing, seeing company bike companies that are actually starting to really pay more attention to this. I mean, obviously a company like live cycling where they're actually like for women, um, they're big on doing that. I had just written a piece for them about saddle sore stuff, um, just late 2021, and, you know, like they, they really care about it, but I think other companies are definitely starting to, to come around more on it as well, which is, which is great. Besides not talking about it, like what are some of the, the biggest issues you see with women when they have a lot of saddle pain? Cause, cause we hear that a lot, like in our Facebook group, people are mm-hmm. like, I just can't find a saddle that's comfortable or. Oh yeah. I yeah. like you stretched. You're like, I'm, I'm like, ready to go. Okay. Ready for this. I got this. <laughs> Um, these, these answers are much more fun when done at like a bike shop, like women's night over a couple glasses of wine. I have to say, everybody Uh, just get out a glass of wine, glass of wine, okay. So, uh, there's so the the biggest issue with the like proper set or like my saddles uncomfortable is that there are so many factors that could be causing the uncomfortable saddle. So this is where you have to really kind of play detective a little bit with, with your body and trying to really think through like what is actually bothering you. So I think my, my first question to people is always like, does it feel like it's more of a skin issue or more of a a muscular, like almost bone issue? Um, because that's going to give us at least like a little bit more to work with. Um, skin is the easiest one to solve for, um, the, when it's like completely uncomfortable and you're having more numbness or like just pain down there versus chafing, that's a little bit trickier. So uh, I'll start kind of with like the the macro and then kind of get into like some of the micro here. So the, the macro is going to be more of a, a bike fit question. Um, and, you know, unfortunately there's no perfect bike fit. There's no like amazing formula that you can just plug in and automatically know exactly how your bike is supposed to fit because everything is going to impact it, right? You think it's just about, oh, it's, you know, the height of my saddle down to my, my pedals. But if you think about that, okay, great. So we have that measurement, even if that's super dialed in, if you're handling handlebar, if your handlebars are a little bit too far forward or a little bit low, now you're leaning a little bit further forward, which is going to tilt your pelvis, which is going to put a little bit more pressure right on, you know, sort of more of that front of your labia clitoris kind of area. And that can cause a lot of sensitivity. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're sitting up too high, then, you know, you might be really pressing down super hard, just right on some really soft tissue. Um, so getting a proper bike fit is probably my number one suggestion. Um, and also side note, if you're, if you do go and pay and get a proper bike fit and it still hurts, you can go back and you can tell them this didn't work because the problem with getting bike fits done is you sit really awkwardly when someone tells you just, just act casual on the bike. Like 
it's real hard to actually sit the way that you sit and ride the way that you ride when you're, you know, sitting on a stand and there's someone standing right next to you watching you do this and you're like pedaling away and you're like, okay, act casual, act casual, act casual. It's really hard to act casual. So uh, you might need to go back a couple times to get it really Especially dialed. if you ride gravel where there's a lot of a bouncing in gravel, right? Like you're going to. Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, even also just making sure that the bike fitter knows exactly what you're doing, that you're riding gravel is going to completely change the way they're going to set your bike up. Um, it might not seem like a huge change. It's, you know, a few millimeters here, a few millimeters here, but it's going to make a really big difference. And, you know, even thinking like with your arms, with like the chatter from the, the bike shaking on the gravel, like now you need softer handlebar tape and adding softer handlebar tape can add an extra millimeter. So now you're sitting a millimeter up and that can totally change it. Everything can change your bike fit. Um, so figuring out your, your proper bike fit is going to be your, your number one big thing, because what you really, really want to avoid is, is where your sit bones are on the saddle. And if your bike fit is a little bit, too, if you're a little too high on your saddle, your sit bones are going to be pressing and pressing and pressing with every single pedal stroke. So that's actually just basically, uh, this is going to sound awful, shoving your junk into your saddle in a very painful way. <laughs> so that's the Got problem. It. When it's <laughs> we, we all, we have all, we've all been there. We've Actually, all been it's there. funny. I'm doing this like indoor training thing and this progression. And they did like a climbing month, like, and the, the instructor was like, you're going to elevate your front wheel, like just to kind of mimic. That. And I was like, that does not work for me on my indoor trainer bike. Like that is, mm -mm. I can sit that way for like a few minutes to do an interval, but I cannot. <laughs> it's like, this is obviously a man that coached this. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So once we've established our bike fit, we can move on to our saddle. I always say with saddles, if you find one that you love, just buy 10 of them because they're going to change it next year. You're never going to find that saddle again. It's going to be very depressing. So if you find a good one, just keep it, get a bunch because they do wear out. Um, but with saddles, um, again, sort of the same thing as far as like your sit bones doing weird stuff. Um, most most newer riders opt for really cushy saddles because you're like, ooh, this, this feels really nice. This is great. Nice and nice and foamy. This is going to be really comfortable. The problem is as you're pedaling, your sit bones are really looking for something to press against because as you're pressing down, you're trying to find purchase here. So we're actually pushing through the foam down to the hard part of the saddle. So it's fine for like a beach cruiser situation where you're kind of sitting upright and like, it's really just your sit bones, not the front part of your nether regions that are anywhere near the saddle. Um, but when you're talking about a regular saddle, you don't want a lot of foam, a little bit of cush, but it doesn't need to be super cushy. Then there are many saddle sizes. Actually, okay. There's like three saddle sizes as far as like the width goes. And the width is like the back of the saddle, the wide part. Um, that's what we really want to focus on. And most bike shops will have this thing called an assometer. Okay. It's not actually called an assometer. I call it an assometer. They'll probably know what you're talking about. If you go in and say, I want the assometer though. Um, it's basically like this thing that you sit on. That's um, a gel pad uh, and you sit on it and you wiggle a little bit. And when you stand up, they can see how far apart your sit bones are. So this is very important because it does not matter how big you are as a person. Um, your skeleton can be a totally different size. Uh, for example, I am a you know five foot three, pretty small woman. Uh, my dad is a five foot 10, like 250 plus man, big guy. 
we ride the exact same size saddle because our sit bones are actually the exact same width. So uh, size doesn't matter when it comes to like what width your sit bones are. So don't, don't assume that because you're a small person, you're going to get the smallest saddle or because you're a bigger person, you're going to need the wider saddle. That's not the case at all. We want to know our actual sit bone, uh, sit bone measurement here. So once you get that, it'll give, you can then kind of like see which saddle is going to be in that range of however many millimeters your, your sit bones are apart. Um, I'm blanking on what sort of the normal like things are, but usually they have like a small, medium and large saddle. They're not going to look very different, but they're going to feel very different because that's, it's meant so that that way at the widest part of the saddle, that's where your sit bones or widest and highest part of the saddle, your sit bones are going to press into that part. And that's gonna take a lot of the pressure off of the sensitive tissue in the rest of your nether regions. So once we have a proper sized saddle, we're gonna be able to have a much comfier experience. Um, now, some people love a cutout saddle, so the saddle that has the hole in the middle. Some people love one that has a divot. Um, there are other people though that will get on those and find that, again, to get a little, little graphic here, uh, there, their sensitive bits, their folds, whatever you wanna call it, are actually like sliding in and getting compressed in that cutout or compressed in that divot. And they actually prefer like a flatter such situation. So again, this is so highly personal to people. Um, and it's kind of one of those reminders that if you and your friend are the exact same size, the same height, same weight, the same body type, you still might not like the same saddle because your sit bones might be different sizes. And frankly, your configuration of your lady bits could be a little different as well. So <laughs> it's all super individual. Yeah. You might need to try a few saddles before, uh, before you find the magic saddle for you. <laughs> it took me a long time to learn that with women and labias, there are innies and outies. Yes. Just like belly buttons. And like that could have a lot big, like if you're an Audi, that cutout often like is what you were saying. Like mm -hmm. it's not gonna, mm -hmm. uh, and if you're like, am I an in your Audi? You'll know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hear that. Google and you're it. Like, Just Google it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and both are wonderful. Both are beautiful. Everything is perfect. You're perfect the way you are. Um, but there's just going to be different. It'll, it'll just impact the way you sit on your saddle. Exactly. Yeah. And just what's comfortable for you. So yeah, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one of my like favorite things that just gets everyone just turning bright red when I'm doing these talks. <laughs> like that's the instant, like, whoo, now we've gone to the next level here. Um, <laughs> we just did a blog post on feisty triathlon. I think I'm going to repost on the gravel that, um, for Valentine's Day, love your labia. And it was one of our most popular posts I love ever. It. I love it so much. Um, oh, and the note of gravel to triathlon. I think this is also an important thing is a lot of people assume once they find one good saddle, they can just switch it from bike to bike to bike. But unfortunately, the different setups for the bike mean that, that a saddle that works really well on the road might not work for gravel and vice versa. So you may, you may find it works. That's great. Uh, but you may need to actually shift around, which sucks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So once we have that figured out, we also need to deal with the comfortable bike shorts. Uh, and this is, this is much more like if you're having skin issues, this could be much more bike short related. Um, I notice uh, a lot of women will have chafing stuff and it's actually because they're using like 
cheaper shorts that have a lot of seams in them or like seams that are just not perfectly like flat. So they're just rubbing just a little bit. Um, even checking your saddle is actually a really good idea because sometimes saddles eventually kind of erode a little bit. So you might get flaps of them coming out that are just going to scrape your leg weird. Um, there's all these like little tiny things, even your saddlebag might be hanging in a way that it actually brushes your leg and you do, you barely notice, but then you end up with some chafe spots. So yeah, shorts, shorts really matter. It's not that you have to get the most expensive pair on the market. That's not true at all, but you do need to find a pair that's very comfortable for you. Um, the, my favorite tip is actually like the difference between men's and women's chamois is if you flip them inside out and you look at the actual chamois, the foam pad in them, if you look at a women's chamois, it's actually going to look like a dick and balls. And the men's one is actually going to more rep, like resemble more of a, a vagina vulva situation. It's weird, but it's a hundred percent true. I totally, <laughs> I, did you know that Christy? No, I'm totally going to look at my chamois when I get home. I know. I'm like, dang, mine are bad. I wish I had a pair yes. right now. I don't. <laughs> And I should, I usually have one sitting next to me when I talk okay. about this stuff. Um, Everybody that's listening to this podcast, go check your, get your chamois. And it might right not now. be super and if you obvious. have a male partner, go find his. Yeah. It <laughs> might not be super obvious, but there are some where you're just looking and you're like, did they do that on purpose? That is obscene. Um, <laughs> but some of them are a little more subtle. Uh, so the reason well, for that is actually- It makes sense for how things would fit, right? Exactly. Like, if you <laughs> fit together for a reason. <laughs> If you think about it, like we actually need a more narrow channel down the front. And then we actually need sort of that like wider spot at the bottom for the, the sit bones. So. Like Catherine taking it there. <laughs> that's, this might that's be my why. favorite podcast recording ever. <laughs> that's why it looks like that. Um, so we really want to make sure that we're using a chamois that actually is designed for us. Um, so yeah, finding one that's, that's comfortable, that fits right. That doesn't scoot around. Um, you know, if you're, if you're used to trying to kind of wear baggier clothes, um, chamois should actually fit pretty tight. You shouldn't feel a lot of movement on the bike. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of the big things. And then once you find a good chamois, then we can talk about chamois cream. My rule is you shouldn't need chamois cream for rides under say 90 minutes. If you have a good connect, like if you have a good saddle, a good chamois and you have a good bike fit, you shouldn't have enough. You shouldn't have a need for chamois cream unless you're going really long. If you are going long and you want to use chamois cream, i.e. you're doing a 200 mile gravel race, for example, chamois cream is probably going to be pretty nice. It's going to just help cut some friction. Uh, most of them now have like a little bit of tea tree oil, other essential oils in them that just kind of keep everything feeling a little cleaner, feeling a little nicer. Um, it's just refreshing. Uh, but when you apply them, it's very important that you don't over apply. Uh, I've been on so many rides and it's, it's usually guys that do this though, uh, where people apply so much chamois cream that it's actually like splooshing out, out of the, the shorts. Chamois. You can see it. It's squeezing out of the shorts. It's like, it's my, well, that's a whole nother thing that we could say that it looks like, but <laughs> It's my second favorite, uh, second Christy's favorite bike like, shirt I'm situation. <laughs> She's out. Podcast um, right now. <laughs> that is my second favorite bike shirt situation. My first favorite is when someone has not, has either used too much detergent, not double rinsed, or their washing machine just sucks and it rains and you see bubbles starting to come out of their butt because they still have detergent in their shorts. I've never seen that before. It's really <laughs> That fun. would be amazing. It's super good. Um, it's adorable. It's also very like skin irritation inducing. So oh, I'm sure uh, 
I'm very big on double rinsing. I can talk for hours about laundry. It's like kind of an embarrassing thing that I get really excited about, but yeah, uh, double rinse your shorts uh, if you don't already. Oh, and wash them inside out. That is like the number one tip that I give people because no one ever does it. And it's, I don't know if anyone's ever been at like a race weekend or something where you only have like two chamois with you and you like wash the one, you're washing them. And then you like look at them the next day and you're like, oh, this chamois didn't wash at all. This is disgusting. And you look in it and it's like crusty and gross. Um, if you wash inside out, that doesn't happen. So pro tip, wash your chamois inside out. Okay. I have a strong opinion about this, but it's been coming up a lot on our Facebook group lately. The underwear question. <gasps> Oh, I didn't even discuss this. Oh my goodness. Oh. Do not wear underwear. Do not no. wear underwear. No so many reasons. Okay. There are some so. strong opinions about this on the Facebook group. I mean, there are, I, I don't wear underwear these. under any workout clothes. That might be too M- TMI, no, that's but skin shaping number one problem right there. Yeah. Some people, some people don't have an issue with, with, with shaping with it. And I will tell you every time I have done a talk, there's always one woman that will be like violently opposed to not wearing underwear. And she will just like make a fuss that she has never had a problem. She will never have a problem. And I'm like, okay, that's great for you. You have a perfect vagina, like go forth and prosper. That's fine. For the rest of us though, the underwear is a big issue. Several reasons. Number one, the chamois is actually not designed to just be cushy. It's designed to be antimicrobial. It is made with a fabric that is specifically to trap bacteria and moisture. It is designed for this purpose. If you put underwear on with it, you are completely negating the entire purpose of having a chamois. We really want a chamois because it's gonna trap all the bad stuff. The second thing is that it's friction fighting. The point of a chamois is also to fight friction. Actually, chamois before like 1993 or something were actually made with deerskin. Um, deerskin and wool. Um, I once did a post for bicycling where I actually got an old kit, like eBay this kit. And like, let's not think too hard about the fact that I was using a chamois from 1980 something. Um, and it's, it's literally just a piece of leather sewn into like woolen shorts um, because the leather wouldn't chafe. So that was the original purpose. It's not about the padding. It's about the friction. So when we add underwear, we are just adding this layer of friction. So now we have the underwear that's bunching and giving us a wedgie and scraping against us. And we're causing these tiny little micro tears to our skin. So even if you don't see chafe, it's still happening. You still have these little micro tears that bacteria are going to get into. Bacteria love a warm, moist, damp environment, just like your saddle, you know, area as you're riding on a particularly sweaty day. So you're just letting a lot of bad stuff just get real trapped in there and providing the perfect way that they can just get in and cause saddle sores. That is why we skip underwear. It has nothing to do with unsightly panty lines or anything like that. It is actually like, this is what these shirts were designed for and to not use, uh, to not actually use the chamois to its, its highest uh, level of power, I guess, is just silly. So that is the hill I am willing to die on. This is just less laundry. Also important. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've been giving watch. some really strong opinions in this podcast and I apologize. I, I also really have excited. strong opinions around it. Uh, but so it's, and also because I was a swimmer, like you will find, I will get to the car and you will find me stripping down immediately because I do not like to sit in something after I'm done with a workout, like you got to let things air out. You got to dry. I say, just channel your inner Donald duck, just drop the pants, get out of the chamois as soon as humanly possible. Like 
walk around no pants like this is why it's awesome that you know we can just rock a maxi dress after a ride and people are like wow you look so dressed up and you're like thanks it's so i don't have to wear underwear i have not tried that but i do have the wraparound towel you know that you're supposed to use like as a shower towel mm-hmm. and i use that to, sw- to, to just change immediately mm-hmm. yeah big fan of the changing skirt <laughs> kind of a lifesaver Wait, all right. I'm trying to think if there's any other major tips that I, oh, actually the, on the topic of laundry, I'll just kind of briefly speak on this. So when you're, when you're washing your chamois, I mean, okay. Cycling kit's super expensive. So it gets kind of annoying when, you know, you're trying to take care of it as best you can, but you also want it to be really clean. And you also don't want to like spend your whole life hand washing stuff. So I will say I have tried virtually every brand's chamois, every brand's jerseys, everything. Um, I've washed and dried them all in the washer, in the dryer. I don't take particularly good care of them. And I've rarely had shorts fall apart or like have any issues because I've washed and dried them. So I'm a big fan of just wash them in warm water with soap, double rinse them. If you have skin irritation, using a unscented dye-free soap is super, super good. Mm-hmm. Um, the double rinse really helps too. Uh, and then I just throw them in the dryer. If you do hang dry them, cause you're worried about not wanting them to, you know, get worn out faster, just make sure again, that you're drying them inside out and that they get sunlight because the sunlight, the UV rays will also kill any like lurking bacteria that are still in there from the, the wash cycle. So definitely, uh, yeah, just make sure you're, you're properly drying them and make sure they're all the way dry before you put them back on. Because sometimes people put on chamois that feel like they're like a little damp. And that's, again, we're just setting up for that pool of bacteria. I had biologists once do a chamois scraping in a Petri dish for me, like age it over time. And let me tell you, it's an ecosystem in there. So we want to, we want to keep it as clean as humanly possible and get the hell out of it as as fast as humanly possible too. Oh my gosh, this has been so educational on, on practical questions that like, I see them every week in our Facebook group. So I love that we're talking about all this stuff. You don't have to go to the bike shop anymore. You can just like get on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Darn right. Well, if somebody wants to get this book or get your Shred Girls books or follow like all your writings in other places, like how, or your podcast, you all, you and your husband, like you said, have a so podcast. We do lots of training tips. You do some, inter- I've listened to a few episodes. You do some interviews on there too. Um, so it's, it's a little like we're, we often are a little bit more storytelling and you all are much more like practical tips. Mm-hmm. So where do they find all the things for mom? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the easiest is probably saying mollyherford.com because all of my stuff is linked out from there. Um, and then we have the consummate or consummateathlete.com is where all of our podcasts and stuff like that lives. Um, you can find all of my books on there, but Molly Herford is probably the easiest thing to remember. So mollyherford.com will kind of get you links to all of the things. (laughs) I love this. I've loved this conversation. Is there anything that uh, you, that we didn't cover that you really wanted to hit before we go? And sorry, I've maybe missed it if you did, because my Wi-Fi keeps going (laughs) out. No, I think that was, that was sort of all of my like absolute favorite things to talk about. So I have loved this conversation so much and yeah, talking to you guys is making me really, uh, really want to get back on the bike and, and do some gravel racing, which is Heck annoying yeah. because I'm, I'm just getting good at this running thing and now I'm going to switch oh. back. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for nothing, but really, really, no, I, it's so cool to just see, see you bringing gravel and just making it so much more accessible to women. I think that's, that's so important and having a place where women can come and find these conversations is just awesome. So thank you for what you guys do. Yay. Thanks. Yay. All right. Well, um, everybody go check out all of Molly's stuff and get all your questions answered. 
Hey, so good news. The Feisty Women's Performance Summit is back for its second year in 2022. I don't know about you, but at Feisty, we're pretty sick of the predatory BS that we've observed in the fitness industry. The quote unquote women's market is a target for fad diets, miracle workouts, and the usual shrink it and pink it marketing bunk. So enter the Feisty Women's Performance Summit, where we're going to bring together information you can trust so you can learn, grow, and succeed by working with your female physiology, not against it. It's not about standing on a podium, although we all know that some of us will. It's about being able to do the things we love throughout our lives. This year's virtual summit will take place March 25th to 27th, and you'll get three days of education, demonstrations, and inspiration from top-of-the-class vetted professionals who will provide you with the knowledge you need to reach your goals. And if you can't make the summit on the weekend, the replays will be available for you all year long. So head on over to womensperformance.com to get all the deets. That's womensperformance.com. The link will be in the show notes. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.